You guys like my shirt? If you can't read it, it says, what's it say? Can you guys read it? I'm offended. Good. This is going to be a fun one. Uh, I, I know that I'm already feeling the vibe in the room, and uh, it's probably going to end real quiet, I'm sure. Uh, today, we continue our series uh, called Online as we think through and, and talk about as a church family what it looks like to live out the gospel in the digital age. If you've been with us over the last couple of weeks, I hope that it's been a blessing to you, uh, and I'm glad you've made the intentional decision to be a part of this series. We've got today, and then next week, we'll conclude the series. I hope you join us for that next week as well as we talk about truth and uh, fake truth and real truth and all sorts of truth, truthy McTrutherson's. Uh, but today, we're talking about something that's so important because... Uh, generally, I, I think I can make the assumption that it's something that happens to all of us. We're talking about being, you tell me, offended. What do we do? How do we live with the gospel when I'm offended? Uh, before we get into the text, I, wanted to, I did want to mention a couple of things. Uh, if you have been around Desert Springs for a little while and you'd like to know more information about what it looks like to be all in with the mission, values, and vision of our church family as a covenant member, we've got a membership class coming up. The reason we call it membership is not because we're like Costco. It's not like that. Uh, the Bible calls us members of a church family or members of a body. And in such a, a, an individualistic, consumeristic age, it's important for us to know that we, our participation with the local church is not that of consumers, uh, but, of, but that of active members, participants bound together with one another. And so I'd encourage you, uh, going to the class doesn't make you a member, but you can find out what it means to be a member at our class. Check that out for more info. Also in the back of the seat in front of you is the ministry guide. You can find more information there as well. And the other thing I wanted to mention is uh, on August 12th, coming up, we're going to kick off a series that's going to take us uh, into uh, the holiday season. We're going to go all the way through the Gospel of Mark starting August 12th through a study called Disciple. And so Jesus calls his followers disciples, and we want to know what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. But I want to give you this real quick. If you call Desert Springs your church home, or maybe you're just checking out Desert Springs or still trying to figure the whole Jesus thing out, I want to say this that in order to maximize the benefit of this study, you have got to study this in the context of community. When we gather on Sundays, you know this, this is not generally dialogue, this is monologue, which is great for me, not fun for you. Totally get that. One of the ways that we grow, one of the best ways that we grow is when we get to engage with people who have different ideas and when we engage the scriptures, that is true there as well. And so if you want to maximize the benefit of that study, I'm going to encourage you, whether it's through a discipleship group with three or four other people or a community group, 12 or 20 people meeting at somebody's home or one of the Bible studies or Sunday school classes that meet here on campus, whatever the context, be a part of a group and study this together. I, I know that you will be blessed uh, as you do that. And I know it's weird. I know church people are weird. I'm with them all the time. You are so right. But allow their weirdness to give you the opportunity to grow in grace. Hmm. Did you see that? See what I did there? That's called a Jesus juke. Let's get into the text. want you to help me uh, today by thinking about a time that you were really offended. Might have even been in the last five minutes with something I've said, which is great for you because you don't have to think back that hard. Think of a time when you were truly offended. Okay, can you guys help me on that? Can you, can you do that for me? I need to hear from you now. 
It's going to be a long sermon with the AC over here is out. I think you guys maybe have AC out there. I'm going to turn the AC off if you're not talking back to me. So uh, can you help me out by thinking of a time that you were really offended? Great. It's going to help. It's going to help us today uh, as we study the text together. Now, I did want to say this as well. Uh, In the back of the seat in front of you is an envelope that looks like this. This is for each of you to take. Uh, If there's not enough uh, in your direct seats, there's some available on the tables in the back, please take that. Please, You guys can just grab it right now. Don't open it. Don't open it yet. Don't open it. This is my letter to you as a congregation. Don't open it. If you've already opened it, you you know, I don't know what to tell you. Put it back in. Pretend like you did. Just lick it. Put it back in. Pretend like it was sealed. Grab that. And you'll notice on the front, what does it say? In case of offense open envelope. Now, if you've ever been to an office building or apartment complex, you've walked past these these little boxes on the side of the wall with glass, and in red letters it says, in case of fire, break glass. You got to get the thing out of there when the fire happens, and I guarantee that in the next few days, maybe if you are just uh, uh, such a compassionate, gracious person, maybe it'll be months, but sometime in the near future, something will happen that will offend you, and I want to encourage you to uh, open at that moment. If you really want to, you can open it when you get home. Please don't open it now. Um, That's all I have to say about that. Now, why are we offended that we're going to talk about the gospel, that we're going to talk about how to live out the gospel when we're offended? We're going to talk about why we're offended real quick, then we're going to talk about the gospel, and then we're going to talk about how it is that we live out the gospel when we are offended. Why I'm offended. Okay, so here's, so you, you've been thinking, haven't you, about a time that you've been offended? I, I know why you were offended. I'm going to tell you right now why you were offended. You perceived that somebody or something out there, by their words or behavior, called into question or mocked or belittled or criticized something that you value in here. You were offended because you perceived that someone or something out there was calling into question or criticizing or making fun of or belittling something that you value in here. I know you. You were offended because you perceived that something or someone out there was calling into question or belittling or mocking or demeaning or downplaying something that you value in here. That's why you were offended. Now you might say, but Pastor Caleb, it was totally righteous. You wouldn't believe what they said. Maybe that's true. I'm not saying it was righteous or unrighteous. I'm just saying that I know the reason that you were offended was because based on your perception, somebody or something out there did something or said something that called into question the value, they criticized, they mocked, they belittled, something that you value in here. That's why we are offended. Pause. Uh, Spoiler alert. As a church family, we believe that the gospel is not just uh, like um, philosophically true. We believe it's true, true. We'll talk more about that next week. Like the gospel actually is true. Like when we celebrate Easter and what, something happens a couple of days before Easter, they call it a Friday. It's like, um, yeah, Good Friday, Good Friday. Okay, so, so Good Friday remembers the fact that Jesus Christ actually really, really, really died on the cross. And then on Easter, we celebrate the fact that he actually really, really rose from the grave. And but real quick, if that didn't happen, we're all stupid. 
So for those of you that are still trying to figure the Jesus thing out, everything hinges on the crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. If that's not historical fact, this is nonsense, you should check out some other thing for a foundation or anchor for your life. But if it is true, it changes everything. And I said spoiler alert, it is true. So we're out there, we're out there being offended. Somebody out there is doing something or saying something that calls into question something that we value in here. And we gotta remember the gospel. What's the gospel? I'll give it to you real quick. This is the story of the cosmos. If you were to take a Bible and open up to the front of the Bible, you would probably find copyright material and a table of contents. After the table of contents and the copyright material, you would find the book of Genesis. And in Genesis 1, it says this. In the beginning, classic opener, great line. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created it out of nothing. And as the crowning glory of his creation, he created people. The scripture says, made in the image and likeness of God, which means that you and I have inherent dignity, worth, and value. Not because of what other people say and do, but because who God has made us to be. We, who are you? You are a person uniquely made in the image and likeness of God. Chapter three of Genesis says that not only does the story start with creation, the next step is the fall. People made in the image and likeness of God chose to take God off the throne of their heart and place themselves on. They, in essence, said, you're not the center of the universe, you're not the king and creator of all things, I'm the center of the universe and everything revolves around me. This is the essence of sin. And because of that, God had some options. One of the options would be to put on the Metallica album and kill them all. Could have done that, could have easily done that, well within his rights to do. His creation rebelled against him, cosmic treason, had all the rights in the world to do that. But instead of killing all of us, he instead chose in his infinite grace and mercy to take on flesh and allow us to kill him. That's what Good Friday is all about. That God, knowing that his justice needed to be satisfied, that cosmic treason cannot go without penalty, and the wages of that treason is death. And he took the death on in our place. He satisfied Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, satisfied the wrath of God by dying in our place so that we might live life and life abundant. Creation, fall, 2,000 years ago in space-time history, God took on flesh, became one of us, lived among us, and allowed his own creation to crucify him, to satisfy his wrath, and to give us life and life abundant. This is good news. But the story doesn't end there. For three days later, Jesus Christ, though killed, rose from the grave, just as he said he would, conquering over Satan, sin, and death, and he stands victorious over the grave and our enemies of Satan, sin, and death. And he calls everyone, everybody. Who does he call? Everybody. Does that include the people who have offended you? Yes, it does. He calls everybody to turn from their sin and believe in the gospel. And for those of you that are still trying to figure the whole Jesus thing out, let me give you something to think about. There is no such thing as good enough. I mean, it's absolutely bonk. Listen, if you're, okay, so this, this might be offensive, and so now you're blessed with a great thing to remember when I say, have you remembered when somebody said something offensive to you? You cannot be good enough to be in right relationship with God because God sees right through all your actions, straight to your motives. And when our motives are, if I just do enough good, then God will love me, that's corruption and God sees it. It's not good, it's actually bad. Let me push it a little further. Who gets to decide what's good enough? You? Well, that 
If you are the one deciding, I'm good enough to stand before God on judgment day, then what you have done is you have taken God off the throne of your heart and put yourself on the throne and said, I'm the one who gets to decide who's good enough. By the way, every maniacal dictator has made that same choice. That's how they justify slaughtering innocents. So be careful when you say good enough. Because one of the temptations is it allows us to mistreat people who we think are not good enough. The gospel is this, you can never be good enough, but Christ has lived the perfect life and given his life for you, and he calls everyone to repent, to turn from their sin and turn to him and believe the gospel. And three days after he was crucified, Jesus Christ rose from the grave. And before he ascended into heaven, having accomplished redemption, he said, one day I will return and I will restore all that which is broken. I will finish, in essence, I will finish what I started. Creation, fall, redemption, happened 2,000 years ago in space-time history. And we have yet to see his finished restoration. And I'll prove it to you. Go on Facebook. When you log into Facebook or Twitter or you turn on your favorite news channel or you dial into the news on uh, your radio, does it feel to you like everything is restored? So in this moment, waiting, resting in his finished redemption and waiting for his coming restoration, how do we then live out the gospel in the digital age? That's right, the AC's out, I got me one of these. Their language offends me. Their appearance offends me. Their politics offends me. Their bad habits offends me. Their theology offends me. Their parenting methods offend me. Their religion offends me. Their words offend me. Their face offends me. Their behavior offends me. Their expression of their sexuality offends me. Their affiliation offends me. Their taste in art offends me. Their taste in music offends me, unless it's country. (laughs) Their cultural expression offends me. What do we do when we're offended? How do we live out the gospel have resting in the finished redemption and waiting for the ultimate restoration. Philippians 4, verses 5 through 8 can help us here, and I encourage you, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Philippians 4, chapters, uh, excuse me, chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. If you don't have a Bible and like one, there's some available on the tables in the back. Of course, you can use a digital device. Philippians 4, chapter 5 through 8. We'll put it up on the screen. So, uh, TV timeout. Um, do you remember a time that you were really offended? You guys remember that time? Have you called it to memory? If anyone hasn't, just let me know and I will say something offensive to you right now um, so that we can continue on. If you remember that you got that time in your mind, Okay, there's that offense, there's that moment, there's that thing that person did, that person out there that did something or said something that called into question something you value in here. How then should we live out the gospel? Philippians 4, uh, verses 5 and on. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. Time out. Thinking of that person who offended you, do they fit in the everyone category? Just wondering real quick for a friend. Do they? That, that person that offended you, do they fit under the everyone category? Yes, they do. I know you hate it. 
Right, I said it's gonna get quieter as the sermon goes on. Okay, so let's start over. You guys ready? We're gonna rewind the tape. Verse five, let your graciousness be known to, ah, except that person, right? Everyone. Four words, super important at the end of verse five. The Lord is near. Let's keep going. Don't worry about anything, verse six, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your requests to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, and if there is anything praiseworthy, what? Dwell. Dwell on these things. This is the word of the Lord. So how do we live out the gospel when we're offended? Five things, draw your attention to it. We'll pray and then conclude with a benediction. Five things, here we go. Verse six. So, remember that time you were offended and it called into question something you value? Remember this, verse six. Don't worry about anything. Okay, so, so real quick, does that thing that you value fall under the anything category? Yes, it does. Do not worry about anything. Another way to say it is don't be anxious or overcome with anxiety about, every, about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to whom? To God, not Facebook. Present your requests to God. So step, uh, like, thing number one, when we get offended, how do we live out the gospel? Thing number one I encourage you to think about is pray it off. Pray it off. What do you mean pray it off? That's weird. Okay, when I was in second grade, I did soccer. It was not good, but I did it. And inevitably, as a violent child, uh, I would um, get frustrated at the game, and instead of going for the ball, I would, just, I would just go for the shin. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yep, just go for the shin. Now, uh, inevitably, other people then would come back after me, and they would put their shin where? on my shin, and if you've ever had shin-to-shin contact, you say, shin, that hurt, oh my gosh. And that happened to me, and I was angry, and I was full of rage, and in the moment, what I wanted to do was destroy, utterly decimate the person who did it to me, because they offended me. They physically went after me, they did it to humiliate me, and you know what my coach said? As I'm full of rage and anger, I'm just I'm in the heat of the moment. I just want to destroy that kid. Jimmy, evil incarnate. You know what my coach said? Campbell, walk it off. Walk it off. What do you mean walk it off? He meant you're not currently in a position to engage with this situation in a way that would bring about flourishing. Now, he never said that. He just said, walk it off. When we are offended, it's like shin-to-shin contact, values coming into conflict, and we're taken aback, and our natural tendency is to, and I want to encourage you, maybe walking around would help you, but instead of walking it off, pray it off. 
Did you notice what the text says? Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Take the offense and then take the offense to God in prayer. Pray that offense off of you and onto him because he can handle it and frankly, you can't. He can bring about justice, he can bring about vengeance and you can't. And so we pray it off. If you read, uh, there's this book in the Bible called the Psalms and they're basically prayers that are put to music. And in many of the Psalms, one of these prayers that are put to music, one of the things that you'll find is this frequent recurring theme where the author will say things like, my enemies surround me, I want to kill them, I want you, God, to destroy them, take them out, bash their heads against rocks, I want you to slay my enemies, right? Get rid of these uncircumcised Philistines that you've surrounded me with, just ah! But inevitably, what ends up concluding in the, in the prayer is something along these lines. But, God, you are good. You are faithful to me. You are my shield. You are my strong tower. You are my present help in time of need. You protect me. You are the one who can handle this. What do we see in the Psalms? Oftentimes we see the author praying it off of them and on to God. God is not afraid of your emotions. Don't think that you have to process your emotions before going to him. Number one, he already knows how you feel. You ain't gonna surprise him. Like, you're never gonna go to God and be like, I'm so offended, I'm so angry, and he's like, oh my. I did not see this coming, right? Like, it's not gonna happen. And so pray it off. Hey, football season's starting. Yeah, yeah. You guys want to talk about sitting and standing for the national anthem? Now I want you to know, I haven't told you how I feel about it. I just know that we're all offended. And one of our temptations is to tell everybody else and not tell it to Jesus. You're mad about that thing somebody said. You're angry about that post somebody made. You're upset about that coworker who slighted you. Pray it off. Take it to the Lord in prayer. I'm not saying that it's not, that you don't need to pursue justice or righteousness. I'm saying in the heat of the moment, when the fire is raging, pray it off. Take it to the Lord in prayer. When you are offended, you have two options. You ready? You have two paths that you can go down. So says Led Zeppelin. And if you don't like Led Zeppelin, I just want to pray with you after the service as you begin the process of finding a new church. <laughs> there are two paths that you can go on. Number one, you can pray it off. You can give it to Jesus. You can take it to Jesus. Or number two, your heart can begin the process of destroying the other person. When you're staying up at night, plotting what you're going to say next, so they look bad and you look good, that's murder of character. When you go to someone else instead of the person and you say, you wouldn't believe what so-and-so says, I can't believe that they think this, I can't believe they said that, you're an assassin. You're seeking to murder their character. Gossip is murder of character. We have two options. Take it to Jesus, deal it, with it with him, 
or seek to destroy the other person. By the way, how you respond to being offended will reveal to you and to many other people your faith. I read one author who said this, I am suspicious of Christians who are serially offended. I told you it was going to get quiet. Okay, let's keep going. This is fun. Yay! Where do you go when you get offended? Where do you go? Do you go to others? Do you, God forbid, go online? I know you didn't name them, but that passive-aggressive article that you posted, everyone knows. Do you, do you hand it up the chain in an email to the old boss? Where do you go? Pray it off. Number two, don't worry, verse six. Literally, the verse starts with these two words. Are you ready? It's gonna blow your mind. These two words. Don't worry. Don't worry. When you were offended, it was because someone or something out there called into question something that you value in here. And the text says, don't worry about anything, including the thing that you are valuing that's being called into question. Don't worry. Two things. Number one, I, I want to lean into this just, just for a, just a minute. It may be that God is allowing that offensive thing to happen to you to reveal to you your idols. It may be that God is allowing that person to do an offensive thing to you that you would feel offended to reveal to you, to surface in your own heart, an idol. What do I mean? Think about the things that you find yourself offended by. Many times, it's things that we overvalue. If someone looked at my, listen, if someone looked at my bank account and said, you're poor, I would be offended because my temptation is to value myself based on the amount of dollars that are in my bank account. And that offense may be used by God to reveal to me that I overvalue my money and undervalue him. It may be that God is using this offense that's been directed to you to reveal to you your idols. Oh boy. Whoo. You ever heard about identity politics? Friends, identity politics is this. No matter what the other person says, no matter what the other side says, I'm this side and that's who I am. I'm a Democrat. I'm a Republican. Uh, libertarians are like not even in the conversation. They're usually in a bunker somewhere. I'm the Green Party. I'm... If that was offensive, again, I've blessed you with an opportunity to be able to call to mind, put this into practice. Now, check this out. For the Christian, do you remember the story of the cosmos? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that the crowning, the crowning glory of his creation was people made in the image and likeness of God. You are not defined by your politics. You are defined by your creator. Your identity is not your politics. Your identity is found in your creator. Politics will come and go and change over time, but Christ is firm today. He is the same today and forever will be. Cling to that anchor, not the shifting sand of political views. And we're offended 
we're offended by another person's politics, it may be that Jesus is saying to us, you might have an overvaluation of your identity with a political party. I'm not saying the other person's right. I'm just saying it may be that God is showing to you the idols of your own heart. And you could take that across what sex, money, power, politics, it doesn't matter. Think about the things that you find that you are offended by. And it may be that the Lord is trying to show you that you overvalue something. Number two, your identity. I mentioned just a minute ago that your identity is not found in other things, but it's found in your creator. I wanna say this to you. Do not worry about anything but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Okay, there are many of us who are offended because something we value, namely ourselves, has been called into question. And I wanna encourage you in this. If it's true, I'm gonna talk to the Christians now. If it's true, that Jesus Christ is the king and creator of the universe who has risen from the grave, conquering over Satan, sin, and death. If it's true that he holds the universe together by the word of his power, if it's true that he knows every hair on your head or absence thereof, if it's true, if it's true that he is the king and creator of the universe and he loves you unconditionally and he accepts you even in spite of your mess, If that's true, that you have the love and acceptance of the king, why are you worried about what the paupers think? Many times we find ourselves offended because the other person has called into question the thing that we're clinging to to give our lives dignity, worth, and value. But your dignity, worth, and value are found not in those things, but in Jesus. And so do not worry about anything, Christ has it under control. Oh, church, if we would just live this out, what a, what a difference we would see in our city. Number three, live grace. Verse five, this is fun. Let your graciousness be known to everyone except the people who are totally wrong. Wait, is that right? Maybe my translation is funky. No, let me read here. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. What's grace? Some would say it this way, that the difference between mercy and grace is this, that mercy is withholding a penalty that was due someone else. You wronged me, you're due a penalty, but in mercy, I'm gonna not give you the due penalty. That's mercy. But grace is proactive. It's giving to someone an undeserved blessing. They didn't earn it, they didn't deserve it. It's giving to them an undeserved blessing. That's why we sing, amazing grace. So, for those of you that are Christians, I want you to think for a minute. What does it look like to let your graciousness be known to everyone, including the people you hate? Okay, what is grace? Grace is giving to someone an undeserved, what did I just say? Deserved an undeserved blessing. Let me ask you this question for the Christians in the room. Has Jesus given to you an undeserved blessing? Has Jesus given to you an undeserved blessing? He calls us to then live that out by living 
graciously and letting our graciousness be known to the people, especially the people who do not deserve it. You, when you give a blessing to someone who earns it, that ain't called grace. Grace is giving to someone a blessing who has not deserved it. This is required for community. Church family, I want to talk to you. There have been people in this church who have offended you. And if they have not offended you yet, I make you 100% guarantee, I say this in all of our member classes, I 100% guarantee that someone in this congregation, I 100% guarantee it, they will sin against you. Welcome to church. I guarantee that somebody in this congregation is going to sin against you because we are all sinners pursuing a savior. We are redeemed, but we ain't perfect and restored yet. And it's highly likely that I'll be the one who does the sinning against you. And this idea of giving to one another undeserved blessing, giving to one another grace, is required for authentic community. In the church, we are made up of all sorts of different socioeconomic and racial backgrounds, which means you put 10 of us randomly selected into a room, I guarantee we're going to have disagreements. And there'll be plenty of opportunities. Oh, so many opportunities to be offended. Because in the church, Jesus binds together all cultures. I, I, ju I, ju I just feel the need to say this real quick. You know, the church ain't supposed to look like white bread. And Jesus didn't use an acoustic guitar. It's cultures smashing together. We have that within the church because there's only, and listen, there's only one thing that combined together such a disparate group of people and that's the gospel. But it gives us plenty of opportunity to show grace to one another. Okay, let's get real. What do you do when somebody offends you? Matthew 18 says this. Jesus straight up tells his disciples, if someone has wronged you or you know you've wronged somebody else, you know somebody has something against you, what do you do? You tell everybody else about it. Make sure that everybody knows your side of the story. Be even better if you could put an ad in the paper. Now, what's he say? Matthew 18. You got beef with somebody? Doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. Doesn't matter who's to take the blame. You go to that person. You need to talk to them. There's been someone who's offended you. Maybe recently. You're thinking of that person now. And you're hoping pastor doesn't say what he's about to say. There might be a phone call that you got to make to make it right. Doesn't mean that you're going to be best buds again. Doesn't mean that it necessarily is going to be reconciled. Reconciliation takes two. But as far as it relates to you, be at peace with all people, the scripture says. What do you do when you're offended by someone? Give to them an undeserved blessing. Go to them. And then the scripture says, if they don't have ears to hear, you take a couple more people with you who love both of you. Now, I want to say this quick caveat real quick. Especially in abusive situations, it is not always wise to do that by yourself. You need to go with a counselor. You need to go with a mediator. You need to think through what that means. Talk to your counselor about that. So I'm not saying this is pie in the sky. And listen, I guarantee it's going to be awkward. I guarantee it's going to be hard for those of us that have been offended. That phone call is going to suck. I guarantee it's going to be hard. But it will not get easier tomorrow. It will not be easier two years from now. It'll just fester. Who do you need to talk to? Who do you need to go directly to? And let me just say this too real quick. Uh, when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, he, he told them how to pray. He kind of modeled it for them. It's what some of us call the, um, the uh, somebody's prayer. It's the, um, 
the people's prayer, the disciples' prayer. What was the thing? Lord's prayer. <laughs> That's right. You guys are so smart. It's the Lord's prayer. Our Father. I, I learned it the old-fashioned way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And here's the part that I don't like. Forgive us our trespasses or our offenses. <sighs> I've forgotten the rest. I forgot. Let's move on. No. Forgive us our trespasses or our offenses as we forgive those who have trespassed or offended us. Jesus ties his forgiveness of us to our forgiveness of others. It's not earning it, but what he's saying is this. This is something to be lived out. If you have experienced the undeserved blessing of Jesus, give undeserved blessings as well. Live graciously. Number four, dwell on the good. Uh, Look at verse eight. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there's any moral excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. That person that offended you, I know that it is easy to think the worst of them. Amen? Oh, we're going to try that again. That person that offended you, I know that it is easy to think the worst of them. Amen? One of the ways that we can bless others is by thinking and dwelling. Did you notice the text? Dwell on these things. If there is anything good in that person, if there is anything praiseworthy in that person, if there is anything commendable, if there is anything honorable, if there is anything just in them, dwell on those things. When you're short with somebody or you're insensitive or you say a harsh word to somebody, don't you want them to assume that you're just having an off day? That you didn't get enough sleep? But when other people are harsh with you, they say an insensitive word to you. What is our, when people do that to me, I'm like, oh, Jim must have signed up for Satan's Minions Club. He's just, who is this guy? I assume the worst. But the scripture says that we're to dwell on the good. And at the very least, here's something, especially if they're a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you in this. Love in them what Christ is shaping them into not the actions that have been done against you. Love in them what Christ is forming in them, not the things that have been done against you. And recognize this, that Jesus is shaping you too, Brosif. And so dwell on the good. What are you dwelling on? Finally, verse seven, protect your peace. Protect your peace. Verse seven, chapter four, verse seven. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When we're offended, we pray it off to him. We don't worry about it because the thing that's been called into question is ultimately in his hands. We strive to live graciously by giving undeserved blessing. And we do that, one of the ways we do that is by dwelling on the good we see in them, even if it's what Christ is shaping them into in the future. And finally, we can protect our peace by relinquishing that offense to God. Now notice what the text says in verse five. Four words, super important. That moment when you're offended, these four words are key. The Lord is near. 
The Lord is near. The Lord is near. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. Period. New sentence. The Lord is near. Period. Don't worry about anything. The Lord is near. And it says, the peace of God, verse 7, which surpasses all understanding, well, what's the word? Will guard your heart and your mind. When that offense comes in, I want you to know that you have a bouncer at your disposal. You guys know what a bouncer is? You remember in high school when all your friends were like, hey, let's go try to get into the club or the bar, and you show up and you got your fake ID with you. Maybe this is, I'm projecting. You got your fake ID with you, and you guys are all like, yeah, and you're like, this is super cool. We're gonna totally get in. Like, I totally look like this guy. And you go up, and there is a large gentleman with a suit jacket but no collar. You, you guys know what I'm talking about? And it was an Italian name that you can't pronounce. And they're like, let me see some ID. And you're like, here's you know, my ID. That person doesn't look like you. You're denied entry. Right? That's what a bouncer does. Is they lit in, they're good, and they repel what? Me, as it turned out. They repelled me. You have someone who guards your heart if you but relinquish these offenses to him. Jesus is standing ready, willing, and able to give to you his peace if you will but relinquish them. He's like a bouncer, and he's got his hand on the door, and in comes that offense. And we can either let the bouncer deal with it or we can let it in to corrupt and influence our heart. I'm not saying that we shouldn't pursue justice when injustices are done towards us. But in the midst of that offense, we can give the offense over to Jesus. Don't give away your peace. Don't tell the bouncer to go home early. Allow him to guard your heart as you relinquish this to him. Because those four words, remember those four words? The Lord is near. He's near to you. He's ready, willing, and able to bring to you his peace. Jesus can bear the offense and bring about flourishing for all involved, and you cannot. Relinquish it to him. Jesus took the offense of the cross and the weight of our sin so that we might have life and life abundant. Are you flourishing? Are you living in peace? Let us cling to Jesus in these times. Let me pray for us.